Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Glad y'all are here. We are starting today the book of Acts, which is the second half of the New Testament. So you had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the story of Jesus and his personal ministry on the earth when he came down from heaven and zipped up a human suit (laughs) and came and was among the people there. And then it ends, you know, in the resurrection and him going up into heaven and the book of Acts is kind of like the second. What comes next? Yeah. Sometimes people are so worried about the second half of the New Testament that they're going to be bored. Do not worry. You are not about to be bored. You are going to love this much as much as we loved the first. Yeah. And if it's boring, we'll make it more fun. We'll rewrite it for you. (laughs) We will not be rewriting scripture. (laughs) So Acts starts off kind of where uh, a lot of people think, uh, Luke maybe wrote the second half, I mean, wrote Acts, that Luke and Acts are two parts of the same story. The first half, the ministry of Jesus. The second half, the ministry of Jesus through the apostles. So the full name of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. Um, but I kind of written in my scriptures a little uh, addition that's in there. I got it from Elder Holland once where he said, I like to call this the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles, oh, or the so Acts good. of the Resurrected Jesus through yeah. the Apostles, right? Because if you want to know more about Acts, you can actually go to the Bible Dictionary, and it will give you a good um, explanation yeah. of the book. Summary, overview Should we of let it. him look at the board? Oh, yeah. We'll move out of the way so you can look at the board. Um, what you want to know is that Acts starts right here in verse 11 with all the disciples standing on the Mount of Olives where Jesus has ascended, and they're all just standing there. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they're waiting for him to come back. Like It was like, I think the second coming's like in five minutes or something. But um, they're all standing there, and angels have to come down and say, why are you still here? The work's continuing. Let's go. We only have 25 members, like 25 followers of Jesus. Or I don't know how many there are, but yeah. let's go. It's time to like kick this into high gear. So that's kind of how um, the whole story of the book of Acts starts out where it's like, okay, the reins have been handed over and uh, now it's time to run. Yep. You know? So um, when we get into Acts 2, remember Jesus told them at the Last Supper and right as he was ending, after the ascension, after the resurrection, wait before you start going out and ministering um, until until my promise comes to pass, which was a promise of his spirit that was going to come. And so you get that fulfillment in Acts chapter 2. We studied this chapter a lot. It's the day of Pentecost. We talk about the Spirit coming. Um, Right off the bat, if we were to ask you what you know about the day of Pentecost, I think people would talk about a rushing of wind um, and also people speaking in tongues. That seems to be the two most commonly um, talked about things from Acts 2. We want to point out a couple other things. Yeah, I was going to say, you might want just a little history on Pentecost. You can go look that up, but just like, if you're just like, just give me the the mini history. Mm -hmm. This was a festival that the Lord introduced in the book of Leviticus. It was a celebration of the day that God gave his law 
and appeared to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. Tradition says that they all woke up and the entire mountain had, was flowered. It was like filled, filled with flowers. It was, uh, it was a day that everyone said God poured out his spirit, his love and his law onto Moses. And so this is what everybody's been celebrating year after year after year. And so what happens in Acts 2 will actually coincide with, with all of the Jews still mm -hmm. celebrating this, the, the day God gave his love and law to Moses. Um, there, we've put five squares here for you to fill in. Just what you learn about the Spirit as you go through. We want to point out two of those things. This is two of my favorite parts of the day of Pentecost. I'm going to start in Acts 2.2. I want you to be looking for two words that are common here. It says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And then in verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And then in 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, think about those two phrases right there. In verse 2, Filled all the house. And then in verse 4, They were all filled. This is one of the blessings of the Spirit. And I love that blessing of the Spirit. And these are verses I didn't notice until I had an experience several years ago. We've talked about before, I think, and if we haven't, we will in the future. A lot of times I'll wake up in the middle of the night with just a prompting or something from the Spirit. I keep a notebook by my bed just so I can write down the thoughts that come in the middle of the night. And this was one of those nights. I woke up, and I don't remember if I had been dreaming. I don't remember what was happening. But when I woke up, the Spirit said to me, Satan wants to leave you empty. And I remember just sitting there and thinking about that. It was such an odd phrase to wake up to, of just Satan wants to leave you empty. And I thought about that and I was like, that really is true about Satan. He wants to empty our relationships. He wants to empty our spiritual capacity. He wants to empty us of love, of all of the things that we have. He, his main goal is to leave us empty. And I thought about that for a minute and then the spirit whispered again the spirit wants to fill you and when i think about my relationship with the spirit that is actually a really good descriptor of how the spirit works in my life it it fills me that's what happens when i have the spirit with me and i thought to myself those two um pieces of counsel are so interesting and so important and crucial because there are moments when Satan will leave us feeling empty. We all know what that feels like, whether it's empty of friends or whatever it's empty of. He's really good at discouraging us and making us doubt and leaving us feeling empty. And sometimes, depending on where we are in our life, what we choose to fill that emptiness is not a healthy thing. Some people turn to alcohol. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to friends who maybe aren't appropriate friends that will lead down um, paths that are not going to be good for any of us. And what I've learned to do since that night is anytime I'm feeling that emptiness creep into my life, I immediately turn to where could I find the Spirit right now? What, what could I turn to that would bring an increase of the Spirit in my life right now? And for all of us, that's going to be different. It might be interesting for your family to talk about how does the Spirit fill you? If you were to think, Right now, what is one way the Spirit fills you? What would you say? What would your first response be? Um, I actually love listening to other people like uh, preach and talk about Scripture. Like I like studying it myself, but I love like 
hearing other people's thoughts and kind of going back and forth with them. So I just, the discussion about it actually. So even like, like podcasts or podcasts or general like, conference talks. You're texting or, back and forth with people actually yeah. like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, like we do that a lot. I've got another friend that I do that with. Every morning I come home from the gym and I'm like, what is your thought? Because he's an hour ahead of me right now. And so I'm like wondering what his thought from scripture study was. So just like, just like kind of letting it sink in. That's, That's one of the so things awesome. for me. Um, for me right now, it's been um, music. Anytime that I'm feeling that emptiness come in, I have a playlist. Um, it's just songs that bring the spirit. I made it myself and I know it works every time. I'll just turn it on as loud as I can in my house and it just brings the spirit. And there's other things we know that bring the spirit, reading scripture, praying, going to the temple, going to church. Um, whatever it is that fills you, maybe you just keep a little list of um, those empty moments. What What is it that's going to fill me all up? The second thing we learn about the spirit in Acts 2 that I love is found in verse 14 or verse 17. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I partly love this promise because we know we live in the last days. So this is our promise. We can claim this promise that he will pour out his spirit upon us. And in verse 18, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And I love that promise that it isn't just about being empty and full, but there is a promise of if we want more of the spirit in our life, God has promised, I will pour it out upon you. That is how much of the spirit that you can get. And, um, we um, recently just had an experience where we had the opportunity to write down what is it that empties you of the Spirit and what is it that fills you with the Spirit. That might be something you want to consider doing with your kids or in your homes as you are going through this. Um, my last thing that I love about Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, is after this whole experience happens and they're all filled up and it's poured out and they're experiencing what happens when you have the Spirit in verse 37 um, it talks about they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And I love that so much because that is what the Spirit does for us. It causes us to ask ourselves, okay, what should we do now when we have the Spirit? Well, and I just think like maybe somebody is like listening to your story. We were talking about there's times when I'm filled with the Spirit. They're thinking like, I don't know if I've ever had that experience, mm -hmm. but maybe I've had that prick where like, well, what should I do? How can I have yes. that happen? It's like these, some of the bystanders who were there watched that the spirit come through there like a wildfire, mm -hmm. you know, and they just, wait, I want that experience. Like, how can I, how can I have that? It's something that can happen when we hear somebody mm -hmm. who's had these, I, I think that's why it's great for us to share these experiences, not to like make us sound better, but to say like, no, this can happen, but it leads yes. to people asking. And you love that, just me? that little prick that is like, okay, what should I do? And the answer back to them is repent and be baptized. And um, you know we love to change those two words, and I'm going to do it again right now. When you see that word repent, it means just turn again to Christ. Just turn again. Turn back to Christ. That's the first thing that we need to do, no matter where we are, every single day. I want you to think, how many times do you turn again to Christ during the day, when you say your prayers, when you open your scriptures, when you um, go and serve someone, that is repentance. That is turning again to Christ. It's just aligning your life with what he would have you do right now. And 
when we see that word be baptized, we're obviously only going to be baptized once. But the baptism is inviting us into a covenant relationship. And so for us, it's every day turning again to Christ and then living that covenant, living within that covenant relationship. And, and what should you do if that's where you are? Um, the Spirit is going to work on us every day. It's going to grow us. It's going to help us progress. That is the job of the Spirit is to bring us increase. Yeah, and for the second time uh, in 39, he says, For this promise is unto you and to your children and to everybody who couldn't make it today, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And he actually said a couple of verses ago who that is. And and, and when you read the description of it, it says there's people here from Berea. There's people yes. here. They speak all the languages. They're from all over the world. And Joel's prophecy where he says he'll pour out. It says mm -hmm. on your sons, on your daughters, on old men, on young women, on servants, on handmaids. Like I don't care what your job is. I don't care where you're yeah. from. I don't care what your background is. Everybody. This is an invitation. The God will pour out His Spirit onto all people, mm -hmm. no matter so who good. they are. Yeah, we love Acts too. So you just want to go through there, learn what you can about the Spirit, fill in these blanks as you go, um, and and we, it'll take you all the way down through the question and then the answer. Yeah, and it really is this. It's that simple. Turn to Jesus and enter a relationship with mm -hmm. Him. That's that's the answer. So good. Okay, now we is love, your favorite okay, story. <laughs> everybody, pause. Get your, get your popcorn out or something because <laughs> I love Acts chapter 3 like with my whole soul. I just, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, so this is, what's interesting <laughs> You're is... You're about to love this story. <laughs> and and there's a Bible video that we're going to link to in the newsletter yeah. so you can watch it happen, which is fun. Uh, but your imagination might be better. Um... Acts chapter 3 is Peter, uh, the story of Peter and John. So remember Acts 1 is like, angels like, why are you still standing here? They're waiting. Acts 2, all of a sudden the Spirit comes pouring out onto them. Acts 3 is where you really see them now move out and start living and loving like Jesus. And I love this chapter because um, some of you know that we have these bracelets that we like to wear. Some say um, WWJD. Uh, and some say HWL, <laughs> you can go back to the old videos, but I'm way into Christian trinkets, by the way. Um, but I love this question of um, what would Jesus do? Um, because I think this is really the first time that Peter and John actually legitimately asked the question. For the last several years, they just followed with him and everywhere they went, they watched what Jesus did. Um, that, that's what they did. They like, if they go into this home, um, they just kind of stood back and they watched it and they were participants. Maybe we don't see them participating very much in the Gospels at all. Yeah. They kind of are always watching. And now there is this moment where they walk up to the steps of one of the gates. It's called the Gate Beautiful. I'm so happy it happened at the Gate Beautiful. Yeah. And as you get into this story, you want to be watching Peter carefully because it's exactly what you were just explaining. Peter spent his whole life, and we love this because it is WWJD, watching what Jesus did. Um, and now he's going to ask himself, what would Jesus do? You might find it really interesting to watch for the character of Christ or the um, attributes of Christ in every single step of what Peter does because you watch him model Jesus so well. Um, it, that you can tell he watched what Jesus did. Right, and it's almost as if I like to think that Peter walked up, saw this man. There was a man who was sitting on the steps of the temple. We find out in the next chapter he's been there for 40 years. And so I bet Peter and John have seen him before. Yes. 
um, and, and and know who this, everybody knows who this guy is. And they walk up and something must have happened in Peter. He sees the man sitting there with no future, with no hope, um, begging. And, and he must have thought in his mind, what would Jesus do if he were still here with us? That's what I have to do. The reins have been handed over to me. It's now time for me to be his image bearer, for me to carry that mantle and live and love like he would. And so when you read the story, you just think like, oh, you, it's either Peter or Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. There, in this, um, President Packer had this line once where he says, uh, in, in that moment, for all intents and purposes, you are he and he is you. Oh, that's so good. Um, and so he comes and, and you just, I mean, just look at it that he, the man's, has a hand out, which you love that imagery of here is this cupped hand, like uh, begging for something. Um, Peter, verse four, fastens his eyes on him, you know, and he says, look at us. I, you've looked down as people passed you all, all the time. Um, this is right during the morning time of prayer. So it's a packed place. And tell you know? about the gate um, for people who haven't been there. Tell, yeah. Why was it um, this is the gate where people were entering into the temple to go into to participate all in that morning prayer and get that blessing that we talked about last week. So every week they would go in while the priests went in to they watch the incense rise up and they kind of pray almost as a community all together inside the gate of, of the temple. Because this man's a cripple, um, he says he's been carried to those steps every so over 40 years he's had people pass by him. And go in and participate in the prayer and get the blessing. And, and he's never been able to participate in that. So he's there. Um, all the people passing by. Which is actually a good business strategy. Because like, you know. I always think the beggars at General Conference. I was like, this is a really good idea. Like, <laughs> there's a lot more people coming to Temple Square right now. So it's a good strategy for him, you know, to be there. And all these people are passing by. And Peter and John are going. And uh, stop for a compassionate detour like Jesus would have done, and they look at him, and they want him to, they want the man to look up at him, and, and fast, look upon us, like, they want to fasten their eyes on him, like he's the only one in the world. Because... Yeah, right there, and you love in verse 5 when it tells you, and so he does, expecting to receive something from them, and I just love how expectation usually precedes a miracle, and he has no idea what's going to happen, but you love that he just looks up with that expectation of something that's going to come right and then peter knows what he really wants what he thinks he wants mm -hmm. the silver and gold and that great line in six silver and gold have i none but such as i have i give thee in the name of jesus of nazareth rise up and walk and he takes him um, by the right hand and he lifts him up and that word we saw so often in the gospels immediately his feet and ankle bones received their strength, right? Immediately he was uh, saved. Did you know that's the word that's so often, like when she was made whole, it's um, it comes from the same Greek as she was saved. Which is so, so told. Right, immediately he Healing, was made whole, saved, rescued, right? all of those words that we love, that's what the word save encompasses. That's so great to tie it to a story right, like this. Such Jesus talk, rise mm -hmm. up, get up off this place that you've been for, for, you've been here for 40 years and Jesus will change your life overnight. Mm -hmm. Like you will never come back to this place. You don't ever have to come back to this place. 
everything is going to be turned upside down for you. And then this is the best part. You can't even like, I love this part so much. Like every time I read it, I just like, I can't even it's help it. It's almost as if he doesn't know it's going to be there and he gets to it and, and he's like, like, oh yeah. I love this part. But when he gets his strength, he doesn't like, he's just not like, hey, thanks bro. You know, and like walks home or something like that. He leaping up stood and walked and entered into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. So like he is not subtle about the fact that his life has changed. He has found Jesus and everybody in that place is going to know. And so he is just, can you picture it? And the Bible video does so good. It does like a he really just is jumping and leaping and praising God and, and everybody sign, sees, all him. The people yeah. see him. So everybody. he makes a scene. He's he makes a scene that he is like, and yeah. this is what happens when a person has an authentic encounter with Jesus and his saving and redeeming grace like it causes them to jump it causes them to leap it causes them to to praise I, I, I can remember um, this boy that I taught in seminary and I always liked him but um, I, I like everybody I like the thugs you know I mean he was kind of a little bit thuggish you know um, wasn't super into it and I remember he came back one a Monday um, and he might as well have been leaping and praising and jumping and I took him aside and I was like, something happened to you over the weekend. And he told me a story that essentially was that he had an encounter with Jesus over that weekend and was an entire, his whole life turned mm -hmm. upside down It that quickly. It just changed. Mm -hmm. Immediately he had strength and immediately he praised. And, and you love the end of this story because for the first time he's going to walk into the temple and he doesn't walk in by himself. Um, he, it tells us twice in verse 8 and entered with them into the temple. But you love in verse 11, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And I just have circled that held in my scriptures. I love the thought of those two men standing next to um, that lame man who they had taught about Jesus, who they had brought the healing power of Jesus Christ into his life. And you just love that picture of him just holding on to them yeah that gratitude and i can't remember if the bible video does that if they don't shame on you bible people i'm just <laughs> kidding but uh y'all look crazy but um the face that that man makes in the bible video is like oh somebody got this right in fact i almost think like man that actor's had an experience like this and and he waited for 40 years for this experience mm. but when he gets to go into the temple yes. for the first time in his whole life i love uh, just thinking about the fact that like some of you are waiting for something in your life and because of Jesus one day you are going to get it and you will get to walk back in to holy places you will you will get your strength someday like that day is coming mm -hmm. for everyone watching for everyone that you know because of him that day is coming and I love his face and yep. oh and just, you just think to yourself in that moment when I think about that picture I'm like and there is the power of the missionary program how many people who are converts have you heard talk about my missionaries? Mm -hmm. um, but also, for those of us who are not 18 and 19 and going on missions, it also is the power of the ministering program. And um, as you think about the people you are ministering to, are they people who would turn to you and say, I, I hold on to these people because they are bringing me the healing power of Jesus Christ every month into my home? And if not, what... What could you do yeah. differently? Yeah. 
It's almost like every missionary, every minister. Is that what you call them? A minister? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to be a minister. Okay, well, you uh, are. I know, yeah. You are one. Um, could say to somebody, look, silver and gold have I none. Answers to your problems have I none. Money to get you out of debt have I none. Good advice, you know, have I little. <laughs> but that which I do have is a promise of the love of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the grace of Jesus. And I will give that to you in all its abundance as so much good. as I can. So what's going to happen now is we are going to watch these apostles going forward. And um, we see, we're going to see healings like we did. We're going to see them bringing lots of people into the church by the thousands. People are going to start coming into the church. And Don't you just love like, now it kind of like starts skimming over some stories. But yes. you're kind of like, this story ends in verse 11. And you're almost just like, you know, you just finished the gospel and you're into Acts 1, 2, and 3. And you're almost like, woo, he's it. back. Yes. Jesus is back, you know, so and, and they just move through. Yep. And we're going to watch both the healings and the gathering, but we're also going to watch Peter and the apostles come in and out of prison. Um, James is <laughs> going to be killed. Like there is a lot of stuff going on. And, and we've talked about before, believing is a dangerous way to live. And Acts, the beginning of Acts is going to show us that that is true, right? Yeah, you've got Saul persecuting people. You've got all of these things going on. And we are going to watch what belief looks like. And it looks like passion and zeal and people standing up as witnesses and losing their lives and bringing people in and people changing and miracles. And that is what believing looks like. This whole, All the stories are scattered on top of each other. They're messy and it's like, dude, this is real life. Like yep. Acts is like, this is us, you know? We pulled just some of our favorite things that um, talked about people who heard the word and believed. Um, we saw that they talk with boldness and that people marvel um, of the knowledge of them because they know when they hear them speak that they had been with Jesus. And it just, it's changing people's lives as they go through which this. might be the best line that they say about when they say about peter and john it's like one thing we know about them is they have been with jesus mm -hmm. and that's like oh what a compliment you know what if someone yes. could say that yeah and um in verse i'm just going to quickly read 4 19 through 20 and then we'll go into this last story in 4 19 it says but peter and john answered and said unto them whether it be right in the sight of god to hearken unto you more than unto god you judge that for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And that becomes the call of the apostles. You judge whether or not what you think we're doing is right. That's not important to us. Our job is to speak the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard. Even if we lose our lives, that is our job. And I love this little square because they can't hold back from teaching. And it tells us, and they ceased not to teach of Jesus Christ. What is it that you can't hold back from teaching about Jesus Christ? And, and we're going to watch this, them just teaching, witnessing, bringing people in, even watching their friends lose their lives over this teaching process. And they still um, go forth. They still teach. And that becomes a conundrum for the leadership of the the Jewish church. Yeah, because they thought they'd gotten rid of the Jesus problem. And now all of a sudden you've got people who are escaping from prison by angels, healings that are still happening. People are still marveling. They're teaching with power and authority like Jesus did. And they're like, okay, plan two, I guess. How do we now get rid of the Peter and John problem? And in chapter five, you've got this great story of this man who's named um, Gamaliel in verse 34. <laughs> I, I don't know what nationality I became. Became. <laughs> Good job. 
<laughs> right then in 34 and he was a teacher of the law we actually find out later he's the one who trained paul like taught up paul so he's really respected and well known and everyone's like okay what do we do do we kill him do we and we love in chapter 5 in verse 34 he stands up and he just says listen everybody um do you remember and he starts telling a couple stories that they would have all known he's like, do you remember that guy um judas of galilee when he's tried to start a rebellion and it failed or do you remember that dude Thaddeus and he tried to start this like um, this big movement and nobody even knows his name anymore? Like, do you remember how like people rise and fall all the time? And so he tells him in verse 38, so my advice would be to leave him alone. Because if it's the work of men, eventually it's just going to wither away like all of those other ones did. It's going to be done. But, verse 39, if it's from God, you won't be able to overthrow it. And you don't want to be caught on the wrong side of history or against God here. So his wisdom is really neat where he's just like, why don't you just step back and watch it happen? Yeah. Because if it's they, if they made it up, it's go just going to be gone. But if it's from God, you're fighting against God. I and, love that yeah. phrase when it talks about that. Are you seriously going to fight against God? And I love that advice for somebody. To, if somebody's kind of caught between two opinions, like I'm not sure about Jesus quite yet. I'm not sure if I'm going to jump into full relationship here or if I'm going to give up this mm-hmm. or give up that. I think he would come. Hopefully he doesn't come <laughs> to you in the night, Gamaliel, you know, and just say like, hey, why don't you just watch for a minute? Kind of like at the beginning of John 1 when we saw everyone saying, just come, come and, and see, see and just observe, you know. And if, if this is all made up, it's gonna. It's not gonna lead to any changes in your heart. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna lead to any like anything miraculous happening. It's just gonna f- go away. Um, but if it is of God, you're you're gonna watch things happen. You're gonna yeah. you're and gonna you're, see and you're not gonna want to fight yeah. against. Yeah. And you're gonna want to embrace it. You're yeah. not only not gonna want to fight it. You're gonna want to like I'm into. Where do I where do I buy a ticket? Mm-hmm. Because I want, I want to be a part of this. So yep. So we are setting the stage right now for what's about to happen next week, which is when Saul comes. In the midst of all of this turmoil and this talking and the people wondering and what is going on, and, and now they've set the stage for Saul to enter this um, the scene. So yeah. we will pick up next week with that lesson. Oh, it's such a good one. Okay. We'll see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.